0: a pop-punk band it's july 11th
1: july 11th
0: chris i want to start today by addressing my haters
1: <laughs> on july 11th hey, that, was, that, was that part on my card?
0: oh yeah the, just uh
1: i forget exactly when i hit record but some of it definitely was. also terror uh, this is of course the july 12th episode oh right <laughs> We're no longer live to tape here, guys. We've abandoned that philosophy. We we edit meticulously.
0: Yes, this one, every single word you hear is carefully curated. End of sentence. End of
1: sentence. There's really nothing more to
0: say about
1: that. Um, Do you remember the Oscar-winning short documentary, period, end of sentence? (laughs) Of course. Good. (laughs) Good. Alright, moving on. Um, Oh, you know what? I I really thought that movie was about uh, grammar, but it seems it's about other things.
0: Oh, is it? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen it.
1: I have no idea what you're talking
0: about, as I think all of our lovely listeners know. And if you are just tuning in on the backs of our uh, hit TikTok that we produced last time, first of all, hello. Welcome. You're going to have a lot of fun. Here on
1: July 12th. <laughs> July 12th. I
0: can't believe you left me on July 12th. Um, it
1: seemed so good on Independence Day. Now you've got away. That wow. was good. That
0: was good. <laughs>
1: that was good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about? I feel like you need a couple of extra syllables in the second part. So, what if it was now you've gone and thrown it all away?
1: Yeah, sure. Not to, well, you know, the things about you thing It doesn't always tails. have to have the same number of syllables. That was mm-hmm. I was picturing that more as the end of a, a phrase, you know? You know what? I like it. I'm not gonna
0: I'm not gonna mess with it. We've but stumbled like onto well. Gold. well thank
1: you. Um, it could be one of those classic things like I you know, not to bring up Taylor Swift for the second consecutive episode, but one of know, the that things That is the limit I've given you. <laughs> one of the things that And Weezer as well. Weezer is another uh, classic one of this, that, the the last chorus modulation where you tweak the lyrics a little in the final chorus of a song. Mm. Um, I was recently talking with my lovely partner about uh, Long Live, the final song on the regular version of Speak Now. Uh, And of course, there's that great moment in the last chorus when she s- switches from "I had the time of my life fighting dragons with you" to just "I had the time of my life with you." It's it's a very powerful hit. And so we could do something like that, is what I'm saying, with with our pop punk band. Yeah, with Independence Day, throwing it all away.
0: I like that. You know what else? That is doing that, like switch up in the last verse. That's mm-hmm. uh, Shakespearean right
1: there. Ah, Shakespeare.
0: I don't know if that's true, but neither does anyone else. And it seems like it could be. So sometimes you just got to say when you're talking about, like, a song. You're like, oh, hey, that's actually Shakespeare.
1: and then It worked great like, oh, okay. in the bucket list, in the credits. John Mayer's song, Say, played over it, of course. And Say, Griffin, starring... No, I mean, the bucket list, Griffin. <laughs> starring Morgan Freeman. What a little tease. And... Just like Morgan Freeman, you're going to enjoy listening to our voices on today's episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling.
0: Well, that got very distracted from what I wanted that cold open to be about, uh, but I loved it nonetheless. Welcome into High Floor, Low Ceiling, by the way, the sports podcast you're listening to right now.
1: What did you want it to be about?
0: While well, I quickly says, find
1: a great picture for you From the bucket list
0: Alright it says uh, shout out to my haters Because I, we did have a viral TikTok Chris right. uh, As you that's suggested right, right. I published An edited version of my Ryan Reeves rant um, people are. And there were some people who were not happy Some people think that I don't know hockey uh, They say that I've clearly Never played the game at a high level Which I don't know how
1: to tell you this But that <laughs> is true I have played the game at a very low level My entire life And this was, so was this like, uh, was it Anze Kopitar leaving this comment? Someone who had played the game at a high level? Yeah, no, well, I mean, clearly
0: someone... Did Joel uh, Erickson eck wave? Yeah, I mean, Chris, it won't surprise you to know that I did check a lot of the profiles of people (laughs) leaving me negative comments. Um, A lot of people, one kid, and I'll I'll leave it at that, because I didn't... Well, that's just... That's the vibe you know when you get TikTok haters. And I do you want to point out, suspended. we got a lot more likes than negative comments, so that's nice. Uh, and thank you to everyone who followed along and liked us. And if you are joining us for the first time off the back of that TikTok, welcome. Um, one guy compared Ryan Reeves to Mike Mark Messier. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> and that was the only comment I replied to. And I said, Messier had 694 goals. Reeves isn't even at 60 in his 15-year career. And he said... Wow, you're slow. Am I talking points? It's a physical comparison. You literally have no clue what you're talking about. Wow, you
1: are looking at this right now.
0: I am. I'm reading it verbatim. Another top comment <laughs> said, quote, let's start a podcast, bro, which I thought was quite funny. So that one was kind of a hater for both of us. I think you got caught up in that one.
1: Well, uh,
0: but overall, it was a hit. It wasn't our most viewed podcast ever or our most viewed TikTok ever. That is still belongs to my take saying the Raptors should trade Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant. Uh, but it did pass Connor O'Neill's Gatorade take for our second most viewed TikTok. account. Okay. So we're making good progress here on the TikTok account. And thank you all for uh, your hate. It fuels me to do great things. Um, and also none of you know puck. Only I know
1: puck. Oh, this is making me physically uncomfortable <laughs> to think about the internet commenters. They're not out there,
0: Chris. They're not real.
1: Good. Uh, Griffin. Some stuff is going on it's of course the mlb all-star break a break that takes place from sunday to wednesday (laughs) everyone's favorite vacation time
0: the slowest four days in sports is that true yeah i think so i think tomorrow is traditionally like the only day on the sports calendar without one of the four major american sports leagues playing
1: wow um, I, for one, was very busy last night, uh, watching Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Kill a kid. Win. <laughs> what was
0: this? Kill a kid. Did you not see that? One of his 115 mile an hour line drives went straight off the skull of one of the kids running around. Did, were you? Did you not see this?
1: I did not see this. Oh though. my
0: God! There's, you know, they've got all those kids running around in the outfield <laughs> catching the fly balls. Mm-hmm. He hits an absolute frozen <laughs> rope line drive. It's a double. Goes. It was truly a double straight off this little probably twelve year old skull. The kid Goodness goes down British. in a heap, and like the next three runs, the next three home runs that you can see over the fence because they keep cutting back. The kid's just lying on the ground, like in a like Family Guy death pose. Um, what? You don't know that either. The, the whole thing where it's like, oh, we got the family guy death pose where you got like an arm bent behind your back and like your knee facing the wrong way and all oh,
1: that. Oh, sure, 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 sure.
0: Anyway, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. should be investigated. But no, it was a. The Home Run Derby's fun. Every they, they do a good job, I think, of not letting it go on for too, too long. I mean, I know it was like two and a half hours, but uh, I only watched the last hour and a half, so it didn't feel too long.
1: Yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I heard this is taken, like, third-hand at this point. Maybe fourth-hand. You do the math. But I heard from a colleague, the wonderful friend of the show, Brenda Jewell.
0: Oh, the one and only. uh,
1: That he heard on a podcast. Was (laughs) it our podcast? No, I believe it was a different podcast that was worth listening to. Um, I believe he heard on this podcast that they were saying you could... You know, spotlight the Futures game more And have the Home Run Derby Like every three innings The few, Between the oh. Futures game You do, like So you could do I mean, I guess it would be like The two the f- Okay, hold on The two quarterfinals And the other two quarterfinals yeah, I guess there would be a long a, Maybe you just only have but,
0: four guys in the Home Run Derby And you do semifinal, yeah. semifinal, final
1: my other uh, <clears throat> postulation for this was that the first round is just... There's no matchups in the first round. Yeah. It's everyone against everyone, and then the two highest scores go on to a final. That seems good. That seems good. Because really the semifinal is like the most boring one. Yeah. As it always is
0: in all sports. Yes, um... the
1: conference finals are always <laughs> boring.
0: <laughs> the final four? Pass. Pass. <laughs> No, I like that, Chris. But, yeah, it was great to see Vladdy win. We are both Toronto, uh, not natives. You're not a Toronto mm-hmm. native. But we are both so true. Toronto residents. So true? Toronto Blue Jays fans.
1: I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah, well, I would. I watched the schmucks play, but. <laughs>
0: That's not really going to make me a fan of them this year.
1: Oh, cheer. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, Griffin. Oh, and by the like, way, congratulations to the American national league for winning the all-star game last night of course this is july 12th july Uh, 12th (laughs) that's not one of our best i don't think the bit is one of our best the that that specific performance mine you're talking about mine (laughs) well you know (laughs) to speak now first track mine mine (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) Speaking of watching the Toronto Blue Jays play Griffin, we've done that I assume each of us ninety one times. We both watch every game, right? Every inning
0: of every game, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's the promise we made. I'm to going a, one year when I was probably twelve or thirteen years old, I watched at least thirty seconds of all eighty two Leafs games that year. I was very proud of myself.
1: Thirty seconds is the like easy number. I didn't
0: have time to like sit down and watch the entire game every time. I was a Busy, busy grade 7 kid, but Mm -hmm. um, I did at least watch some of every single game that year. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, I just remembered that, that I did that.
1: I like it. And what I also (laughs) feel, I mean, I guess I like this less. The Toronto (laughs) Blue Jays, 50-41 Griffin. They're on pace for 89 wins, which is a a depressing number when you really look at it. Um, just like they've been hovering in this range for going on what feels like 10 years now. Yeah, I mean, don't fact check that. No, I won't, but (laughs) definitely three. Um. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, well, I mean, like, let's just quickly prorate the 60 game season. Uh, I did not do that right. I multiplied 533 by 82 i should do this 86 they were so they had an equivalent of 86 win season in the shortened uh 2020 season and 91 in 2021 92 last year and now on pace for 89 this year just quickly do you think it would feel in your bones that they would finish above 89 wins
0: yeah and i think they will i think this team is better than the 50 and 41 that they've had so far that's Let's be clear, that's a pretty good record. A lot of teams sure. would like to be 50-41 and 41 right now. Um, but, yeah, obviously this Blue Jays team is stacked with talent. The bullpen's been really good. Uh, the starting rotation, for the most part, has been strong. So you would think that they would be better with the offense that they have, but the runners in scoring position woes have been much much documented this year. And I do think that that sort of thing in general is like an indicator of success because, like... Does it like the fact that they have so many opportunities with runners in scoring position is a good indicator. And like the fact that they're not getting the hits is more random. So I do think that the randomness will eventually
1: win out. I think they'll have a strong second half for sure. But Isn't this like the third consecutive year that we've said basically these exact same things that like, they're a good team. They have the talent. We don't, fully know what i mean like i guess it was more obvious in previous years like especially the bullpen i feel like this year particularly it's very difficult to pinpoint like what what is the weakness like what needs to be fixed yeah really i
0: mean yeah 2021 when they missed the playoffs by one game the bullpen blew like six games in april and may of that year alone and then last year They did their job. They made the playoffs. They had home home field in the first round and just had that unfortunate collapse. And do you think, like, even if they force a game three against the Mariners, that series, maybe vibes are a little better around the Blue Jays right now. And I don't think they should be bad. Like, I'm not dooming this team. But I do think that like, yeah, they'll they'll get a little more hits. Vladi will get his power going a bit more, and hopefully the guys who are playing well right now can keep playing well. And I do think that, like, they'll have a strong second half and make the playoffs without too much trouble.
1: Yeah, that is the thing that it always feels like, you know, it, it is the same. Did we talk about this last week where I was like, if everyone in the world gives you $1?
0: Yes, you want to buy the Charlotte Hornets. That's what you would do with them.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that was on mic or not, but that did come Oh, it up. was. It was. Um, But I think that it's kind of similar with the Blue Jays a lot of times because it's like, oh, there, we have all these underperforming players. If all these underperforming players just played, like, up to their level that we know they're capable of, then this team would be good. But then it's, at the same time, it's, you know, Matt Chapman is overperforming so far this year. Kevin Kiermaier is really overperforming so far this year. Whit Merrifield is overperforming a little this year like Brandon Belt there there are so many players that it feels like are overperforming thus far that I I feel like it's kind of a fallacy to be like oh if the underperforming players just started playing up to their level well yes like if everyone was doing at least as well like if their floor was their average then the team would be really good but I don't think that's realistic to expect
0: yeah, I mean, I see what you mean, but there are, like, Alejandro Kirk is batting two thirty-four. That's not what you would expect out of him. Uh, Whit Merrifield only has an OPS plus of one oh seven, so I know that he was just named an all-star, but he's basically an average major league hitter. Matt Chapman's up at one twenty five, so that's great. You'd like to see that. And Brandon Belt's at one twenty one, which is about average for him. Uh, he's been a very good bat with the Giants, aside from last year when he was hurt. And then there's, like, obviously Bo Bichette, who's got an OPS plus at 134, and Vladdy, who's at 120, who you would hope that 120 would be a bit higher. I think 134 is great from Bo Bichette. Obviously, he's been the best Blue Jay this year. Uh, so I do get what you're saying in that, like, the offense also, for the most part, has looked pretty good. If you look at these numbers here, the only below-average hitters in their lineup are Dalton Varsho and Alejandro Kirk, both, of, both guys who can, at the very least, be average hitters. So I get where yeah. what you're where you're coming from, and like where is the improvement going to come from? But I think like the guys who are slightly above average right now can be even better. I think most of that has fallen onto Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Fairly or not, uh, he like the OPS of seven eighty seven isn't really what you want to see. You'd want to see that in the high eight hundreds ideally. So the power for Yeah, Vladdy, the lack of power, yeah, that's been the problem. Only thirteen home runs, and. Uh, Maybe that'll have a cascading effect, but I do get where you're coming from. And the other red flag with this Blue Jays team, even though I was talking about how I'm not too concerned, is that they're 23 and 31 against teams above 500. Which, like, obviously you have to. It's good that they're clobbering the teams below 500. That's great. Like, that's what you have to do. But that does seem like a bit of an alarming sign. Come a pennant chase in September and then playoff time, if they are eight games below. 500 against teams above 500 if that makes sense
1: i don't know it i understand what you're saying but i feel like you know how many teams are above 500 against teams above 500 like it's probably good question the really really good teams um i don't know if you can find that information but i, I would imagine it's like the braves and the braves. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and probably the rangers too maybe yeah like
0: well there's three teams in the al east the rays Orioles and Yankees are all above and the Red Sox all uh, all other four teams in the AL East are above 500 against teams above 500 but maybe that's because they've the all beaten is, the Blue Jays a bunch
1: that's uh, the thing is they also have a terrible record against their division who are all above 500 yeah um, and that brings me to another point Griffin are we ready to start complaining about divisions I mean I know we already do as followers of a team that plays in the AL East, like that comes up all the time. But this year it feels especially stark because you have the Cleveland Guardians in first place in the Central at 45 and 45, and you have the Red Sox in last place in the East at 48 and 43.
0: It is starting to become a bit ridiculous how bad the AL Central is. If only the AL Central had one good team. I feel like there would be no pressure on Major League Baseball to revamp this system. By the way, you were mostly right, Chris. Outside of the AL East, there are only three teams above 500 against teams above 500 in baseball, and those are the Braves, the Rangers, and the San Francisco Giants.
1: Um, wow. Congratulations to them.
0: Yeah. And congratulations to you for calling that so correctly.
1: A bazinga, as we like to say. Um, but yeah, like, you know, that to to that point. I think if if you're a team that is not destroying teams like if you're a a few games above 500 team versus a 25 games above 500 team, then it gets hard to yeah, have a you know, you should have a really good record against under 500 teams and then just sort of stay in the chase against the above 500 yeah. teams. So
0: obviously they need the Blue Jays need to do better against their division and if they can do that, that should bring that let that record to a reasonable level in your eyes
1: yeah i think i think around 500 is a perfectly valid record to have
0: but yes uh i don't know i've always just sort of accepted divisions as a quirk of baseball i know that they have play a big role in hockey and football too but and this is odd because i'm not usually a traditionalist when it comes to sports but i do like the baseball playoff setup i do think there's something a bit romantic about having to when your division that being the easiest way to get in to the playoffs. And this I don't really have a logical argument behind it. I just love baseball and its history. Um Yeah, and like the expanded field now that there are six teams that make the playoffs in each league, I think that's good.
1: Yeah, I I guess I'm not I'm not thinking about expanding the playoffs necessarily, but I think that a big part like it doesn't really do people get excited about winning your division anymore, I guess.
0: I think in team, baseball
1: they do. They'll hang a banner. Sure. But I guess it te- I guess it's like if you're the Guardians or the Twins where a race in your division is the difference between making the playoffs or not making the playoffs, then that does become a big deal. But I guess what I'm thinking is there like that has been replaced by the wild card race, which is like you solve that same sense of like day by day one team's creeping forward, one team's moving backwards. These teams are like sort of battling it out, trying to get ahead of each other in standings. I think that is what is really fun about baseball, especially, you know, at this point in the year as you get closer to the playoffs. And so I think that the wild card race is fulfilling what the divisional race used to be, especially now that there are three wild card slots. So, you know, more teams are in the mix for a longer period of time. There are a lot of teams that are within five games of the AL wild card. Um, So I think that it's like, it feels a little less important to have a divisional race that would result in like a playoff spot when you already have this wild card race, which is more exciting. And, you know, in this case, it involves better teams, (laughs) like it's the Yankees and the Astros who are battling for a playoff spot instead of the Guardians and the Twins.
0: Yeah, and I do see where you're coming from. I think now it's probably the main races to get one of those top two spots in each league and get that first-round by which, I mean, in the American League, at least the Rangers and Rays have that pretty well wrapped yeah, and up. Then, or whoever wins the AL East and the AL West, I should say. Uh, not necessarily yeah, the Rangers the, and the Rays.
1: And the Braves, obviously, have, like, you know, that's another part of it as well, I think, that we've had two amazing teams, one in each league, the Braves and the Rays. And so that sort of, like, cuts into some of the drama right away. Because, although the Orioles are only two games back in the race. Well, we'll
0: perfect. get into that. We'll get into well, that. We'll Chris. Get I great. just want to before we close the book on the wild card discussion. I just want to bookmark right now for a month and a half right now when we are having the would you rather finish third in the wild card race to play the Guardians in the wild card round as opposed to having to play either Baltimore or Houston or the Yankees or Boston. Just bookmarking that cuz that is absolutely a discussion Blue Jays fans will be having.
1: And once again, I think the answer is that you want to play the Guardians. Seems like it.
0: Although the Guardians did win
1: their division last yeah, year, you think about, and that, they did beat the Yankees last. year. Yeah, that
0: didn't work out for the Yankees.
1: That was a great series; very fun to watch. Oh yeah, and didn't we one of those look,
0: games go like 18 innings or something?
1: I think that's correct. And wow. that uh, we will look forward to that. Um, should we move on, Griffin, to these uh, these divisional leaders and sort of get get a get a gauge on them?
0: Yeah, let's do that. So I have a game. Chris, my games aren't as creatively titled as your games. Uh, my game is called Will They Win the Division? And the name of this game is very indicative of what the game, in fact, is. I'm going to okay. give you the six division leaders in baseball right now, and I want you to tell me if they will win the division.
1: Whoa, <laughs> this is just like when we were seeing La La Land before we started recording. It was, but that was The prices, Right um oh, i don't go ahead
0: <laughs> you don't you don't you're not down with the prices right wow i just don't know if that was a great performance of it necessarily it was sped up it was a sped up prices right
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh your kids and your tiktok yeah exactly i only listen to two times <laughs> speed my podcasts and my music or one half speed oh yeah that's the other version i will say i think a lot of songs are better at an accelerated speed. But we'll uh, we'll get into that another time. That's for our music podcast. And for I... our band <laughs> on <No>. July 12th.
1: <laughs> Much like many of your impressions or uh, vocal bits <laughs> is deteriorating rapidly. <laughs> this
0: is just a musical impression.
1: This is New York Joe. Because Every, everyone sings like that. Even if you sound like New York Joe, you're punk. That's true. Voice I think, this, like
0: I think my pop-punk voice is held steady. I'm going to disagree. A lot of times I accept your criticism. This uh, time I'm going to fight back.
1: Griffin, I would say that the whole steady is more of like a southern rock band. I don't really think of them as pop-punk, certainly. Maybe um, well,
0: mm-hmm. not southern rock,
1: you know, but heartland rock. <laughs> um, that was funny. Thank you for acknowledging that, even in your sarcastic <laughs> voice. Oh, so I'm...
0: I'm not acknowledging that my impression has gotten worse, and you're not acknowledging that that was not funny. This is a very healthy relationship (laughs) we have here on high floor, low ceiling. But, yes, uh, will they win the division? On July 12th, here's how the standings currently sit. Uh, We're going to start, Chris, in the division we were just talking about, the American League East, the Tampa Mm -hmm. Bay Rays, if you had asked us this a month and a half ago, we would say mm-hmm. they would win easily. They were a mile ahead. Easily. A mile ahead. Uh, but now there are footsteps in the rearview mirror. The race still sit at 58 and 35. Footsteps and, and in the
1: rearview mirror.
0: Exactly. It's an auditory mirror, Chris. This is something that I've been working with Elon on. Um, it's an invention that we really think is going to change the world. But the... Rays are hearing footsteps in their brand new auditory mirror from Tesla. You're going to be seeing it in wings and rear views. in uh, We're aiming for 2026. Great. But, yeah, the Was Rays. F-
1: <laughs> the Orioles is what you probably meant to mention. No, Isn't no, the Rays. The Rays are 58 and
0: 35, but the footsteps coming in the shape of Bird like the little bird hops. Those are the footsteps that the Rays are hearing because the Baltimore Orioles just two games behind,
1: They're hearing footsteps in the mirror in the shape of bird hops.
0: I'm telling you, this mirror is going to change the way we talk about auditory uh, visualizations. <laughs>
1: Great save. <laughs> and so, the yes. Blue
0: Jays just seven games behind as well. Now the Speaking Rays bird hops exactly. The Rays do have a plus 149 run differential. Their expected win-loss record is actually a couple games higher than their current record. They aren't very strong in one-run games. But, Chris, do the Tampa Bay Rays have something to worry about?
1: Well, certainly they have something to worry about. Um, The Orioles are very good. They, you know, you look at their lineup and you're like, wow. I, I think for me, as someone who, you know, I think most baseball fans are probably follow their team baseball fans and you don't necessarily know a ton about you know every other team in the league but you look at the the Orioles and you're like I know that guy I know that guy I know that that's when you start to get worried. Is if there if there are like eight players in a batting order that I recognize I'm like whoa this team must be pretty good <laughs> and that's how I feel about the Baltimore Orioles because it's like Adley Rushman we just speaking of the home run derby we just saw him do some stuff at the home run derby yeah we did Ryan Mountcastle, of course, you know maybe our sense of him is a little inflated. Yeah, um, I think
0: that I think that's a, if you know the Orioles, you know Ryan Mountcastle.
1: I think he's like hit fifteen percent of his career home runs against <laughs> the Blue. Did something? Um, Gunnar Henderson, obviously a hot up and comer. Yeah. Austin Hayes is having a great year. Cedric Mullins is typically a, a great player. That he is. Anthony Santander, typically a great player. So, so they, true. you know, they have a, a very potent lineup. Yeah, and they're all
0: so young and so good.
1: Um, Yeah, their pitching is not particularly exciting. Um, And, you know, you look at the Rays, and it's the same situation, where they have a very potent lineup with a lot of (laughs) names I recognize. Um, So, do I think that it's impossible for them not to win their division? Of course not. I think that would be foolish to say, given the current state of affairs. But... I think they'll be okay. The run differential and the overall quality of their players, you know, they've had some injuries to their pitching. It's been a kind of uneven year for them weirdly despite <laughs> them being amazingly good. And so, I think that they'll get it back. They recently had a huge losing streak yeah. like six or seven games and so I think that right now they're in they're on the lower end of what we might expect from like a range of outcomes from them at this point in the season. All right. Uh, There we have it.
0: Pencil that one in folks. Take that to the sports books. Tampa Bay Rays will hang on in the American league East. Next. We're going from the best division in baseball to the very, very worst. The American league central is currently led by the Cleveland guardians at exactly 545 and 45. But hot on their heels are the Minnesota Twins, just a half a game back. And Chris, this is a terrible division all around, but will the Guardians hang on with the Twins closing in?
1: I mean, I won't pretend to know a lot about the Guardians. I think, you know, much like uh, some other teams that we've already talked about, they're sort of bringing back a lot of their same guys. Jose Ramirez, I know Andre Jimenez is having a great year. I know they have... Tanner Bieber. Any relation? To Shane Bieber? Maybe. Yeah. Um, At any rate, they have two pitchers named Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> Who are both having good years. They've also had some pitching injuries. I'm going to say... Hmm. I mean, like, the ultimate answer is... I don't really care if I'm being perfectly frank. But I do think the Twins are a little better overall... Um, you know, if the guardians can sort of get their pitching healthy and get a little more back on track there, because the twins are a team that has had some amazing pitching results from some pretty unlikely places, you know, some yeah. gray kind of having a, a, certainly a bounce back year. So I would lean towards the twins right now, but ultimately it's like these two teams are basically the same.
0: Yeah. I'm going to take the uh, guardians in this one. I, I liked their team last year Thought they were a bit up and commy. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> leave it alone.
1: <laughs> Please leave that. In.
0: Live to tape delay. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna stick with the Guardian, so we'll we'll put an HFLC point up for the winner of the American mm-hmm. League Central. Remember those? I think I won. I think I'm winning. I think I won.
1: <laughs> I think I won uh oh. up next
0: we're gonna go to a bit of a two horse race out in the west where the cowboys ride horses i watched brokeback <laughs> mountain for the first time this weekend devastated me emotionally very terrific sad film. film terrific film excellent film very sad uh the texas rangers speaking of i don't know cowboys yeah sure cowboys good perfect uh, they're 52-39, and 39, Chris. They are one of the breakout stars in Major League Baseball this year. They have five all-star starters going in the game tonight that you will all have seen last night. Uh, but the ever-annoying Houston Astros, who have owned the American League East for years now, they are just two games behind. I think if I remember correctly, they started slowly, and they're starting to reel in the Rangers. Uh, two excellent baseball teams do you believe in the Texas Rangers? As I put here, are they for real?
1: I do think they're for real. I don't see any reason to think that they're not for real. I really like their lineup. Like I think that they are a team that ha. Well, I don't know. They don't have that many young players, but it feels like they have some young players. Like Josh Young has been a really good surprise for them. Jonah Heim has been a really good surprise for them. They're pitching is kind of succeeding in spite of itself a little bit yeah good Um,
0: hitters ballpark out there in texas or a good pitcher's ballpark i mean
1: sure and obviously you know losing jacob to that was a massive blow for them um but i do think they're for real i you know if if not amazing super for real then at least (laughs) I was trying to figure out what their <laughs> win base would be and I I could not uh, do that math on the fly but if not uh 9 well 92 games that seems about right. <laughs> if not like you know Braves or Rays for real then they're at least as real as the Houston Astros and so I think again I think this is another race that is going to stay close. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. And then you know Griffin the Seattle Mariners are sort of starting to come on now. Now that really, would be a really interesting. rough
0: start. That would be a fun three team race. Uh, lots of really good exciting players on all of those different squads. I'm going to take the Astros in this one, but yeah, if you look at like the five guys who are starting in the All-Star game from the Texas oh, sounds Rangers. Can't like give me hamburger tonight. Oh, yeah. What? No, no, go ahead. Um <laughs> Like Jonah Hines, the only one who I think hasn't really like a sort of what you'd call a breakout star who you might be worrying about like dropping off like Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon have both shown us this before, as has Adelise Garcia Adoles Garcia and Josh Jung is like a top prospect. I think this is about what they wanted for him. So, to be fair, Corey Seager is hitting like 350. <laughs> yeah, no, he might drop off a little bit, but like he's been an elite player. Yes, yes. He, they they signed I, him to a big contract. Uh 350 mm-hmm. maybe a little high. Rangers exactly in the middle in park factor by the way. They're 17th out of 31. <laughs> so, uh not not great necessarily a great pitchers park, but not necessarily a great hitters park either. Great point. Um, I'm going to take the Astros. <laughs> I believe in history. I believe in tradition. And I believe in the Houston Astros. Uh, sure. I think that they're too good, and they've won this division for too many years to let an in-state rival take it from them. That's going to fire them up. They're going to want it more. And that's the analysis that I'm bringing to this.
1: I don't think that's a totally invalid piece of analysis, Griffin. Because- Let's go. Because... <laughs> They did. They took three or four quite recently uh, against the Rangers. They also, you know, just That's dropped big. three or four to the Mariners. Uh, that was a big deal. I think that was the first time
0: you're hyping up the Mariners here. You're you're all in on Seattle.
1: Well, my lovely partner is also a fan of the Mariners, so I might have a little bit of uh, bias there. But um, I believe it was the first time that the Mariners had won back-to-back games on the road against the Astros in some prolonged period of time so uh, an achievement for them to be sure but they do have you know you look at their schedule the Astros and it's like they play the Angels and then they play the Rockies they play the A's they then play a bunch of good teams <laughs> but you know, they, I think they have a chance to sort of at least get even with the Rangers if not pull ahead of the Rangers um, before they meet up in that series towards the end of the month and then that could be in the same way that we've talked about uh, the Blue Jays having some series against the Yankees and the Orioles late in the season that could sort of be like, well, that's kind of the year right there. I think that if they were to, for example, get a sweep against the Rangers or vice versa, that that could be a deciding factor in sort of clinching the division by the end of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Still 70 games left for most of these teams. So I don't know about schedule checking just yet, but I do think that series will be a big one. Um, all right, Chris, let's head to the senior circuit, the National League. This one's easy. NL East, the Atlanta Braves are 60-29. and 29. Good Lord. 31 games above .500, 8.5 games up on the second place, Miami Marlins. Uh, Chris, do you think the Atlanta Braves are going to win the division? I do. All right. Uh, the <laughs> National League Central, and this is where I have to apologize to our beloved Midwest audience. Mm-hmm. Your lovely partner, arguably a part of uh, the Midwest audience, it's hard to say.
1: Uh, maybe we're PNW. Maybe. On the, on the
0: verge. We, we won't dox her too heavily. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll we'll go with Midwest. Uh, I'm deciding that. And to everyone in the Midwest, I apologize because you know we love you, our Midwest audience. I think we should just abolish baseball in the middle of the country.
1: You think that uh, both centrals should fold? Both
0: centrals are just, let's contract this thing down to 20 teams and really have some fun. Uh, however, I do speak a little too soon because the Cincinnati Reds are awesome, and I do love them. I love Joey Votto, of course, proud Canadian. Uh, I love Ellie De La Cruz. What do you think of the pronunciation there?
1: That's perfect.
0: Thank you. I took uh, three years of university Spanish. It uh, shows. <laughs> There's a, did you? Are you? You like stub your toe or something? There's a lot of pain in your voice. No, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, so the Reds, out of nowhere, no one saw this coming. They're 50-41, and 41, one game up on the Milwaukee Brewers. Chris, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in the Cincinnati Reds?
1: Um, yes and maybe, respectively. <laughs> <laughs> maybe more maybe and maybe respectively. <laughs> the thing, so, you know the classic thing? Yes. This is, shut up. This is especially <laughs> true when it's your team. Okay, so let me give you an example. So... The Toronto Raptors are playing the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat shoot uh, 8 of 9 from 3 in the first quarter. That always happens. It does always happen. And and then after the first quarter, they're leading 33-29. What's the thing that you always say? Or that one would always say?
0: It always happens to us.
1: (laughs) More... so. Maybe I was asking too much of you to yeah, I think sniff so. that what I'm getting at here, but I feel like a classic thing that people always say when you're in that situation is like, well, like they shot eight of nine from three and they're only up four. so oh, like yes. that, that bodes well for us. Yes, that's definitely, absolutely. So the Cincinnati Reds have now won, I believe they're 30 and 12 in their last 42 games. Let's go. And they're only one game ahead of the Brewers. That's kind of how I feel. Is like They had this amazing, amazing streak that you obviously could not expect them to replicate for the rest of the season. And they're one game ahead of the Brewers. And the Brewers are like the least exciting team in baseball, maybe. Oh, for um, sure. They don't have any players who are doing particularly well this year. Um, you know, Christian Jelic is having a year that's more Christian Jelic-ish than we've seen for the last few years, but... You know, they have Corbin Burns. He hasn't really, uh, you know, done anything super special this year. They Brandon Woodruff has been out. So that sort of, you know, that was sort of their trademark was they had Christian Yelich and they had that amazing one-two punch of starting pitching. And so they haven't really had that. They haven't really had any breakout stars or anything like that. Most of their guys are just playing pretty well. And it's turned into a pretty good team (laughs) yeah uh and i think that that feels more sustainable like that a team would just keep chugging along and being pretty good than a team that was amazingly hot just to get in the mix it seems more likely like if i were to pick one of these two teams to go under 500 the rest of the way it would be the reds right
0: yeah, I know. But I'm gonna give some hope to all baseball fans out there because no, I think totally
1: everyone's valid.
0: uh talking about the everyone's rooting for the Reds. Yeah. Uh, it's Brewers a lot are more six to... sixteen and seven in one run games this year. Both teams have a negative run differential, but the Brewers have a slightly worse negative run differential. Uh both teams are outperforming their expected win loss by a fair margin. But the thing is like The Brewers are only half a game out of the wild card right now. So even if you don't win the division, if you both stay hot and race, like push each other to be better down the stretch, you could still make the playoffs if not winning the division. So uh, I'm cheering for the Reds for sure. And I'm going to pick the Reds. I think they are going to hang on. Every year you get one team that's sort of like, oh, they made the playoffs. They won the division. Good for them. And this year.
1: Yeah, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, I was going to say this year (laughs) it's the
0: Miami Marlins and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh (laughs) So, and yeah, Chris, that'll actually bring us home with the National League I West. Feel like this
1: podcast has been going
0: forever. <laughs> well, that's a good sign. Uh, we are at 43 minutes. So, quickly, Chris Dodgers and Diamondbacks both tied for the league in the National League West. The Giants just two and a half games behind. It's a three horse race, a true and proper one. Who's winning the National League West?
1: I feel like I've been the downer uh, thus far, and so I will continue to be the downer and say it's the Dodgers. It is the Dodgers. You're right. <laughs> <Thank> okay. You. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just the Dodgers. It just is. Yeah. I hope the
0: Diamondbacks um, get a wild card though, because that'd be fun. And they're looking yes. good for
1: one right now. Someone, this is just a from the terrible take files. Okay. Someone was like, uh, so in a in a server I'm in. Enough said. Um, Classic. Someone said. Like oh like why are the Diamondbacks good this year? I just noticed that they've like are doing well this year, and I don't really know why. Like, does anyone know like what they're good, what's good about them? And then someone else on that server said they're like the Phoenix Suns five years ago when Devin Booker was good and the rest of the team was bad, saying that they were like is, is as Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll is Devin Booker. Booker. And I was like, those teams won like twenty games. <laughs> The Arizona Diamondbacks are like well above 500, have a very good shot at making the playoffs, and obviously a league where it's much harder to make the playoffs. Like, that is such a rude comparison. They have like a Cy Young candidate. It was just a crazy thing to hear. Yeah. Um, But I I do like the Diamondbacks. I'm a little salty about what Gabriel Moreno is doing, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always sort of was worried about that trade. I think he's going to be good, but hopefully Dalton Versho can pick it up. Um, get up, get up. all right that person from that server on blast on notice mm-hmm. and when we come back you know who else is on notice? racists uh we're doing a movie <laughs> review that i'm very excited for
1: it's called green book <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've floor florida ceiling today. returns <laughs>
0: And we are back, and uh, Chris, long overdue, we're doing another movie review, and this one is one of truly my all-time favorites with a deep personal connection, so I would tread lightly if you have anything negative to say. I- I'm gonna. Uh, that's the atmosphere I'm curating for this.
1: I felt the same way about Home Team, and you savaged <laughs> that film.
0: Uh, one of your all-time personal favorites with a deep emotional connection? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Chris, we're going to talk about the movie Invictus, uh, the 2000 and something, 2009 Nine. Best Picture nominee, might I mind you? So if you didn't like this movie, you think that uh, you the know Oscar more than the Academy.
1: Also, was not a Best Picture nominee, I should what? also note. It was I nominated for, for sure Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor.
0: <laughs> well, those are both deserved. Not a Best Picture nominee. Should have been Robbed and Snubbed, Frankly. Um, and in case you can tell by my defensive attitude, I know, Posture. I know that some other people don't like this movie as much as I do, but I love this movie.
1: I think it's most people's favorite movie of all time. Right?
0: <laughs> what did you think of Invictus, Chris? I believe you had never seen it before. Morgan Freeman portrays the legendary Nelson Mandela as he mm-hmm. uses the nineteen ninety five World Cup as an attempt. To try and heal South Africa after he is elected president, and they try to move forward from the horrific uh, apartheid.
1: Wow, coming out strong against apartheid—interesting. <laughs> um, Griffin, I thought this movie was amazing. Just kidding, I thought it was okay. <laughs> I, I <just> do <laughs> wanted to see your reaction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for half a second i'm just glad you didn't say horrible i think for most people they're like yeah that's fine
1: i well here's th- i imagine that this is a thing that a lot of people say griffin this is not a sports movie
0: no it really isn't
1: this is a i tricked you into of... watching it
0: for the podcast
1: <laughs> it's a kind of spielbergian almost it's very interesting that clint eastwood directed this i will say every
0: this is one of my favorite movies And every single time I watch it, at the end, directed by Clint Eastwood pops up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, weird.
1: (laughs) It is absolutely weird. Um, You know, I think it is, you know, I just said, it was kind of Steven Spielbergian. It's, you know, maybe a little more cloying than Steven Spielberg would usually go. But it reminds me more of a Lincoln or a Bridge of Spies where it's a movie about sort of like kind of you have this plan and you're trying to sort of make things work and there's sort of a sentimental element. You're also, you know, fighting against the system a little bit. It's more of one of those kind of movies than it is a sports movie, which I think is evidenced by the sports stuff being bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the rugby scenes are not great. It's almost all scrums, the rugby scenes. Um, But at the same time... Like, it, it, I will admit, it's a very shallow movie. Like, it's very much, like, on the surface. It's about what it's about. There's nothing deeper to it. But I do love it. It does seem like it was made just for me. Uh, uh, my grandfather grew up in southern Africa, and he attended the University of Cape Town before he eventually left and along the way of his remarkable life. My grandfather had a great life. He, uh, he eventually this made is his like way an to Canada. Elon Musk situation. No, it is not. He <laughs> left, uh, Southern Africa for all the right reasons. Didn't want to <laughs> be a part of what was going on down there. That was one of the reasons that he left as a young man, but I do, he did love, uh, cricket and he liked rugby and he liked this movie. So I do have an emotional connection. Um, <laughs> And also, so that's number one. Number two, I've always, like, really... This is something that's unique about me. I've really admired Nelson Mandela uh, Mm -hmm. for a long time now. I think he was really a great man, and I'm not sure how many other people think that. But Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also a big Matt Damon head, and also I love security guys, like bodyguards.
1: That's kind of the juice, because I will say...
0: I think that's the best part of this movie. I think that's a really interesting way to tell... Like, a lot of this movie is sort of told through the eyes of Nelson Mandela's bodyguards, four of whom are black and four of whom are white. And the way that like, they sort of represent the thing that, the things that Mandela are trying to do.
1: Absolutely. Um, should I just go through my little yeah, please. rant to, and sort of. Please I, give I us
0: all your takes. I didn't mean to monopolize. You are the reactor No, 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 no.
1: no. I didn't take any notes, but I do Neither have I. a lot of thoughts. Oh, <laughs> well, you know this movie, like the back of your hand. I do.
0: I really do. I know Um, some of the songs that are sung in African languages. (laughs) I know them like phonetically. I don't. I'm not getting them right, but I can like sort of
1: make the general sounds. Right. That's like how I know that some of the Naruto theme songs (laughs) phonetically. (laughs) Um. Here's what. Here are some takes I will drop about the movie in no particular order because I am not uh, working from any notes here. But
0: I will say, correct or offensive to each one.
1: Okay. Matt Damon is nothing in this movie. It's not Offensive. really. It's not really a performance. It's cra- crazy that he was nominated for an Oscar. Um, let me uh, look at the. I think
0: his character is nothing. I think he's great. I think a his... really
1: terrible slate this year. Um, Christoph Waltz wins for Inglorious Bastards. Obviously, a this great is win. Supporting actor. Yes, best supporting actor at the uh, 82nd Academy Awards. Yeah, very strong start. Matt Damon and Evictus. Very Francois continuation. Pinar. Woody I, Harrelson in *The Messenger*, a movie everyone knows. I've never heard of it. Christopher Plummer in *The Last Station*, playing Leo Tolstoy. Okay, and yeah, then a Canadian legend. Stanley Tucci in *The Lovely Bones* as a serial killer, a role that he himself does not like. A role that is kind of famously bad. Um, when they play his Oscar clip at the Oscars, and it cuts back to him, he's kind of he is like visibly ashamed. <laughs> It's really great. That's a great
0: Tucci moment. Uh, I do, I think Matt Damon, first of all, I'm not sure if you saw my letterbox review. This is like his hottest in a movie. Matt Damon is very hot in this movie. The blonde hair works really well for Matt Damon. (laughs) He's in rugby shape. Uh, He's not racist, which is good. Um, one of the hottest things to be, in my opinion. <laughs> I agreed. And he frankly nails the South African accent. Maybe the most difficult accent in the English
1: speaking world to do. Sure. Um, I, um, <laughs> whoa. If you go to Matt Damon's Wikipedia page, I will say at the top, it says not to be confused with Matt Dillon or Matt Amon. A <laughs> M M O N. I don't think anyone was making that confusion. At any rate, Griffin... You did not find s- Matt
0: Damon hot in this movie?
1: That's a very straight man's opinion <laughs> of who is hot. You no know who else is hot? Ryan Reynolds. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Paul Rudd. Um, it's a very straight man's opinion of who is a hot person. Um, of course, Good Will Hunting is when Matt Damon is hottest. Also a little bit of blonde there. Um, I haven't seen Good Will Hunting, so... That's insane. <laughs> Should we do Matt Damon movies instead? Maybe. I love Matt
0: Damon. That's another reason this movie's right up my alley. I love Matt Damon. That's the thing. Is like I love Matt Damon, too, but
1: he's nothing in this movie. He's not in it that much. You can and see why love... they gave him supporting actor. I can't... I can see why he was a supporting <laughs> actor, certainly. I can see why they gave him an Academy Award nomination. I will say, there are probably, like seven characters who are characters in this movie
0: yeah it's it's really a small scale
1: but i mean i mean in terms of like there are a lot of people (laughs) right but there aren't a lot of characters it's like nelson mandela very developed character you know he is a a very like you know a very thoroughly explored character yeah i think morning Freeman gives a great performance even if his Morgan Freeman's voice sort of starts to creep through, yeah. well, inexorably <laughs> into his South African accent. I think he does an awesome job. Um, obviously, he lends is the, the, the role. heart and soul. Yes, someone would say he was the best actor in <laughs> um, a leading
0: role. Well, he wasn't, <laughs> but apparently,
1: not 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 best enough. Um, so there's there's Nelson Mandela. There's Brenda, his uh, sort of secretary. Yeah. Who I would say I
0: she's not really a character. She's just sort of there.
1: I like her. I like her, um, but
0: she doesn't really like...
1: Okay, in that case, there are, like, three characters. <laughs> there's there's Nelson Mandela, there's the sort of... Well, I guess there are sort of two primary uh, black bodyguards who are with Nelson Mandela from the beginning, and then there is the sort of steely-eyed white bodyguard who is sort of the leader of the guys who comes to... who, like, are former cops or... You know, special forces guys who come to join the bodyguard brigade.
0: There's the more approachable white bodyguard as well. There's like sort of four bodyguards who get speaking roles.
1: That's true. So five characters. And then everyone else is nothing. I think you're
0: overlooking Scott Eastwood's role as the kicker on the rugby team.
1: (laughs) That's a great role. Also, shout out to Kyle Eastwood for doing the score for this movie. I
0: love, I think the music in this movie is a big reason why I love this movie so much. I love the music in this movie.
1: There the score is nothing to boo at, certainly. There's a part where it shifts into a montage and it plays one of the worst songs That's a great I've ever. Song. Are you referring <laughs> to
0: colorblind or nine thousand days? Both of those, but l- more so
1: colorblind. I'm that color song blind. is
0: dogwater. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and like it's like you have this is about Africa. Like African music is one of the most like you know. One of, one of the best <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> African music is awesome. Like there's yes. so much to it. it. It can be extremely like emotionally impactful, like, and you're using this like extremely white, like ballad, <laughs> like I guess trying and also, to get an, an Academy Award nomination for best original song. I think
0: definitely. And I think the fact that it's called colorblind is like the most mid 2000s thing that you could possibly do about racism be like i'm colorblind there's there we've done it we don't see right like it's a real i don't see race moment
1: yeah i mean like there, and there's i think that i had fears about sort of the political overtones of this movie because i think that like you know there's a lot to be said obviously that isn't really said in the film it's like oh nelson mandel he kind of like was the he was sort of an appeaser in some ways like his, you could criticize him for yeah some members um, of his
0: party certainly did criticize him for and i think that's reflected in the movie like that yeah, scene in the, exactly. with the sports executive where he barely gets enough votes to keep the springbok name 12 votes yeah,
1: yeah i think so i think you know I was a little worried about sort of the way it would portray that. I thought it did a good job of that. I think that, you know, it sort of reflects the fact that it does, it handles the political stuff in a more interesting way than the sports stuff. Um, But to go back to the lack of characters, like obviously, you know, you think back to Moneyball a lot. We'll probably, have we reviewed Moneyball before? Uh,
0: We got into it when we did our sports movie Oscars and it won almost every award, Right. but I don't think we've ever done a full proper sit down review. And sure. now we can't, because Jonah Hill's cancelled, so that's a shame. No!
1: But you think back to Moneyball, and what Moneyball is great at is, like, it gives you the characters on the team. Because it's like, you have David Justice, he's like the old guy who's sort of trying to prove he still got it. You have Scott Hatterberg, who's like the guy who's in a tough position. And then...
0: Yeah. Jeremy Giambi.
1: Yeah. It, it really, in not a lot of time, creates very distinct personalities and characters within the team So that when the team does something or a person has a moment in the game or something like that, it feels impactful. Obviously, the prime example is the Scott Hatterberg home run, but like that wouldn't mean as much if you hadn't seen that character sort of have their own arc. In this movie, you have Matt Damon, who is nothing. You have Chester, who is, you know, obviously... (laughs) you <laughs> <He> is black
0: <laughs> that's <It's>, his character
1: <laughs> his character is he's the only black player on the team they don't even really explore that it's just kind of like implicitly understood you see the team and you're like hey there's one black guy and like yeah
0: and then they mandela do mandela
1: like knows him by name and like obviously you know they're like For it's a
0: country that was like 90 black at the time like and i think probably still is but i'm not up to date
1: um. <laughs> right. exactly yeah and but, they, they go
0: they establish that rugby is like a white person sport like the white yes. people in south africa care about rugby and the black people care about soccer
1: yes and you know i think that i'll get into this later but i think one of the great things yeah, we're gonna go is, a little over sure um so you have chester you have the one guy who talks and is like kind of racist yeah
0: I think he calls the new national anthem a terrorist song at one point.
1: He calls it and he's not excited to go coach the kids. Although he like kind of warms to it. He's the guy who like, I don't think that, I don't think he was
0: against coaching the kids for racist
1: reasons. I think that he was just like, he sort of makes some comments about the area that they're in. Yeah. yeah, He's sort of like casually. Yeah. He's like,
0: but once like once the chips really come down, he's like, all right, I, I respect Mandela.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then that's pretty much it.
0: <laughs> you have Matt Damon's racist dad.
1: Yes, he's the, not
0: on the team. No. Oh, sorry. I forgot we were just... Yeah. And the. He's,
1: but yes, his character is that he's racist. You have mm-hmm. his girlfriend. Her character is that she's his girlfriend.
0: There's Scott Eastwood, who uh, you know they gave no speaking lines to because there's no way in hell he can do a South African accent. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you've got Matt Damon's mom, who maybe has, like, one line in the entire movie. I like her, actually. Um, she, Matt anyways. Damon's servant, uh, <laughs> who's great, great character. She cuts the picture of Matt Damon meeting Nelson Mandela to the newspaper. I thought that was very cute.
1: Yeah, I think, like, it's sort of playing the beats of that kind of movie, but none of the characters ever, like, amount to anything. It's, I think, my biggest problem with the movie.
0: Yeah. No, it's very shallow.
1: The thing... That i think it does very i think you know if i were to sort of uh identify a theme of the film i think the theme big part of the theme is about sort of like symbols and how powerful like you know i think mandela sort of gets to it where he talks about like yeah like that like he it, when he shows the the rugby team coaching kids um primarily black kids he says, like, that picture is worth more than a thousand speeches. Like, I think that is sort of one of the central themes of the movie is the idea that, like, a symbol and an image can be much more powerful than, like, words can in order in to, like, move someone's heart. Um, yeah. And I think a big through line of that is the flag. Um, and yes. Obviously, in the first rugby game they play, there's a lot of, like, the old apartheid era flags. And then by the time, like, you know, the country sort of rallies around the team. And then by the final, it's almost all the new South African flag. Um, and I thought that was a great image. Like, I think that communicates very effectively sort of the idea that he's trying to get across, both in terms of, like, the power of a symbol and also the way that the country is sort of, like, healing in some ways. I thought that was a great image. Yeah. So what you're saying is you love the movie. I, I liked the movie. I, th- I no. no, I know. <laughs> i think that
0: also the power of sports chris the power of sports can move but it's mans.
1: not i don't think it's about that is what i will say like <laughs> no not really what my lovely partner uh what she said at one point is like oh you
0: made her watch it too
1: <laughs> i did kind of force her into because i was like i cut it was like one o'clock last night and i was like i should probably just put this on so i don't have to walk like get up in the morning and watch it mm. um she was very resistant, but eventually joined me what? for about half of it before she went to bed. Um, she, she was resistant, yes. She's on notice. Uh, She's on notice. <laughs> okay, put her on notice. Uh, but what she said was, they could be a debate team. <laughs> she said, like, it would not fun- functionally change the movie if they were a debate team. Or, she also said, a solo artist. <laughs> like, no, you it's gotta- not about sports. And... Yeah. They start yeah. to sort of they try and figure out a sports angle to it. I think there is an inherent uncinematicness in a rugby game. Um and when they try and depict a full rugby game at the end of the movie, it is like the worst part of the movie, maybe. Um Yeah, maybe. But I think that they're like it's like there's the whole thing, it's like Chester's injured, and then as I learned on Wikipedia later, he comes back and scores like four tries in the quarterfinal. Like, that should be a huge moment.
0: Wait, yeah. I, I was sort of always under the impression only from knowing this movie that Chester was like sort of a bench player and they, the only reason he's even like a prominent character in the movie is because of he was the only the one back one. player on the team. Are you saying he was like one of their better players? Because that is he never was, communicated in the movie.
1: I believe he was good. I was reading about this uh, 1994 or 5, five. 1995. Uh, Rugby World Cup he was a big deal for sure Um, but uh, yeah he scored four tries in the quarterfinal match and you just don't really like that should be a huge moment it's Chester one of the characters that we like are aware of (laughs) yeah and he's doing something huge and then they sort of they start to figure out like the whole movie from a sports perspective should be like and okay not to sort of propose a rewrite, but... No, no, go off. At the beginning of the film, we see the Springboks play against England, and they lose, and it's, like, very, you know, sad or whatever. Um, (laughs) Everyone's disappointed. Yeah. Um, One guy says...
0: uh, The the president of, like, the Rugby Association says, we're a damn
1: disgrace! Right, exactly. um, 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 Griffin, there is... I know that... You would have to present it in a slightly different way, but the first rugby test that South Africa played after, like, the boycott was lifted on South Africa is the All Blacks came into Johannesburg, and they played each other, and the All Blacks won. That was the first game that they played. (laughs) That (laughs) That (laughs) seems like it's you're actively no, avoiding a good story it's an absolute no-brainer that you put that in and then the story is like the all blacks in south africa and also the story which they sort of pick up on with like 20 minutes left in the movie is like there's this guy jonah lomu who's really unstoppable and how are we going to stop this guy like that should be the through line yeah but we only That's hear if, about if him... If this was a
0: sports movie, that
1: would be... Right, exactly. But we only hear about him later. That, like, he's this who yeah, is also a very fascinating figure in his own right. I would recommend reading his uh, Wikipedia page. Dying General tragically Lomo. young, yeah. Oh, no. He died at the age of 40. Um, Jeez. You're, you're almost there. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, definitely worth reading about General Lomo. He's sort of one of the first international stars of uh, rugby. And so... A very interesting figure um, and you know is presented as very uh, dominating in this movie but like you said they it feels like they purposefully like disposed of a storyline that would make perfect sense that they have this it's it's all linked together they play this return test after the end of apartheid and it's against New Zealand and then they end up playing New Zealand three years later in the finals and they win what are you doing?
0: Yeah, that is, that does seem like the perfect way to start a movie. But I, I, they probably didn't have time. They had to include the scene where Nelson Mandela flirts with a woman at a random di- state dinner party thing and uh, says that his father was a polygamist. And when he looks at a woman like her, he envies his father.
1: Which is an amazing line, is yeah. what I said. And that. also
0: very, I think, reflective of the true Nelson Mandela, apparently quite popular with women. Um, and made just himself so. quite available to women.
1: He's a man. He has a man's problems, that's as true. they famously say. Yeah. Yeah. And like and that's another great example of something where it's like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, you did have one scene or one line about that. Like, there's this scene where, you know, one of the white bodyguards asks him about his family and then he sort of like becomes yeah, angry and like get, you know, just like wants to be alone. Yeah daily walk and so and like sort of reflects that elsa mandela you know had some issues within his personal life and it's just so strange that you would have that scene and acknowledge that fact but then not yeah that, w- that would also to... be like
0: you've got this man who like went on to become a a truly like legendary figure like a a walking saint for many for billions of people among the globe but he in order to sort of do that. And with these this weight of the world on his shoulders, he did end up losing a lot of the personal relationships in his life. And it's like, there's a great movie in there, too. And it's, it's like they wanted too much of the Nelson Mandela story, maybe.
1: I guess so. And then, and also, like, to your point, that relates very closely back to the idea of symbols, that, like, he himself, Nelson Mandela, became a symbol and sort of had to give up some, like, aspects of his personhood in some ways in mm-hmm. order to become this healing figure and symbol to all these people um and so i think like <laughs> it just feels like there were so many missed opportunities and it doesn't it didn't feel like they were missed opportunities in pursuit of anything else even like it just felt like oh like you don't want to talk about that and also this movie is quite long it's kind of shocking that
0: they Comes in at two hours <laughs> ten
1: to explore these things. Yeah, given its length, but but you know, I've been very critical. I, I think that it. there were a lot of missed opportunities, but I think I think it's okay. I like the political stuff. I like anything with Nelson Mandela. I like when he, you know, talks to people. He's a very obviously a very wise figure. Well, he's also he's very like
0: the, charming and yeah, charismatic. I think Freeman does a good job of, uh, bringing that across.
1: Yeah, and he's sort of like. He is, like, the guy who always, like, has a trick up his sleeve. And so I I I really like that kind of character where it's, like, they're a step ahead and, you know, people might underestimate him or people might, you know, not expect that he's got all these plans, but he's got all these plans. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Exactly. Um, and I do, I always like a character like that.
0: Yeah, I do think that Morgan Freeman is sort of, like, the beating heart of this movie and really you, you, we, I, it says in the IMDb trivia here that... Nelson Mandela wanted Morgan like there had never been a film made about Nelson Mandela, and he Morgan Freeman was his pick. Freeman was the first person cast when they made this movie, uh, and it was at Nelson Mandela's request. They apparently got along quite well, um, and I do think that like casting a person like Nelson Mandela is such a like monumental task to try and replicate that in film. So I think that they had to really make sure that they got that right, and they did. Um, I do really like that we have gone into deep detail on this because no one in the world remembers this movie <laughs> as well as two people who just watched it last night like <laughs> no what everyone else who has even seen this movie definitely no one has seen it in the past 10 years who's listening to this and everyone's gonna be like oh yeah I kind of remember that movie that was the one where they played rugby yeah I think so this is this has probably been a great podcast segment to listen to Absolutely,
1: and I will say just as a quick note um Mandela: Long Walk to Freedom, the 2013 film with Idris Elba as yeah, Nelson Mandela. I uh, have not seen it, but the song by U2, Ordinary Love, I that love was that the song. original song from uh from Mandela: Long Walk to Freedom. And so, if, Are you saying that <laughs> if it's strictly a head-to-head between original <laughs> songs for Nelson Mandela films, then Ordinary Love is the it's a blowout.
0: I'm sorry, I'm giving it to colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm colorblind. Oh, not knowing Ooh, yeah, it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I think that will have to uh, conclude.
0: Yeah, I think if there was one message I would take away from today's podcast, it would be don't put people in prison for thirty years because they're fighting against racial
1: segregation. Absolutely, we totally we thumbs down,
0: thumbs down, imprisoning political prisoners who are fighting for human rights
1: yeah unless you know it's important for our country and then you know we yeah well number
0: one number one preserve the status quo uh number two don't imprison people for 30 years for human rights unless of course it's like (laughs) it would be inconvenient to implement these new human rights
1: hflc podcast on twitter instagram TikTok, tock um just, wow uh so i have some gr- important great news to share with you uh oh. shortly griffin but we'll wait till we're off the air so oh, a tease just to give people a tease for something they're not going to hear about <laughs> um griffin porter 97 on twitter See house and jan on twitter sorry i just had some burps coming through there and nice I had to force them down, and I did it. Good for you. Thank you again for listening. Griffin, anything to add? Uh, just that I'm
0: colorblind.
1: And until next time, please keep your floors high and your ceilings up.